everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me as usual from another state, another location, is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark A. Johnston, how are you doing this week? Jeff, I tell you what, man, it's been a crazy busy week with holidays coming up and everything. So uh, you said I was in a different state, uh, which is true. I'm in a state of panic right now. But uh, I, I still, I can't go a week without doing my favorite show. You know what I'm saying? You know what? We have got, I've actually got a Mandalorian crossover uh, fact today during BP. Ooh, so nice. stick around for that. This is our, mm-hmm. this is, this is our, our Ricky Henderson birthday edition of the show. Uh, some people call it the <laughs> holiday season, uh, We'll just say holiday because it encompasses a lot of them. But uh, here in this household, we celebrate the birth of Ricky Henderson on December twenty fifth, nineteen fifty eight. But we'll get to we'll get to the to the Mandalorian crossover here in a little bit. But this is uh, it's another we're kind of taking it easy this week because it is the holidays for a lot of people. So we're going to do another tales from the dugout. We got a bunch of little shorter stories. And uh, we've got uh, Wax Packs Heroes at the end as well. So we'll get to all of that. But first, we'll do our mini tales from the dugout or, or something that we like to call BP. So let's get right into it. And Mark, I've, I've actually got a little, a, a lot of just smaller ones here for this week. First of all, okay. Omar Vizquel has been in the news this last week and not in a good way. We're not going to. I saw that. Uh, but what I did want to talk about is he's on Cameo, and you know what? Do you know what Cameo is? Yes, I do. I uh, I uh, have I got a friend of mine a Cameo once. It was pretty interesting. From who? Uh, the guy that plays Hodor on Game of Thrones. Okay, I don't know who that is, but this is in case you <laughs> don't know what Cameo is. It's just it's a it's a service where celebrities can charge people to, and they'll make a personal video message for them. There are many baseball players. Maybe we'll go through some of the baseball players. I know Reggie Jackson does a lot of cameo stuff, and he does a really good job. But Omar Vizquel is on cameo, and in his little bio, he claims that he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> one, I mean, he's one of those guys that is is very uh, divisive as to whether you either think he is or you think he isn't. But to claim that you're a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer when, in fact, you are not is rather a bold step in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I could claim I'm a Hall of Famer. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, anyone you know. can claim it. But uh, typically, that's a, it's a pretty tough uh, fraternity to join. And uh, Omar, you're not there. And if Mark had his way, you wouldn't be because he thinks you're overrated. That, that's true. Now, I believe um, we've hit on that more times than I personally <laughs> wanted to make public. It was just a comment. Yeah. However, well, I stand by it. Let's move on to somebody that is an actual bona fide, deserving, verified Hall of Famer in Johnny Bench. Yeah. Uh, so Johnny Bench, I, I don't know. Did you see this? He put up a whole bunch of his stuff for auction a week or so ago. I did. And I, yeah. I, I don't know that he's starving for money i mean he's got that blue emu money coming in and i I mean those you know baseball bunch royalties are probably not bad i said they're probably nothing but uh, i was a little surprised to see all the things he put up but what is it's kind of weird one of his friends bought everything in this auction and then just gave it back to him now 
I do not know the official definition of money laundering, but does this, this is kind of like, he's just like, I'm going to put all this up, you buy it and then give it back to me. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's not what he did. Yeah. I, actually, the way I looked at it, I thought that was a pretty darn good friend. Um, and it was a, a very cool thing to do. So from what I read, this guy started off, they weren't, they didn't know each other and he was just a big fan and they got to know each other and became friends. So maybe this is just his way of becoming a better friends. He's like, Hey, remember, remember when I spent those millions of dollars and returned it all to you, you want to come over for dinner. (laughs) And he's going to have to now. Yeah. Maybe even bring a buddy. You're kind of locked in. Joe Morgan's available or well, I don't oh, think Joe Morgan's available. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, maybe uh, the, the San Diego chicken. Bring him. Little baseball bunch yeah. reunion. Oh, yeah. From baseball bunch. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I could put on the San Diego chicken outfit. I'll do it for five bucks. I'll do it for... If you gave me the San Diego chicken outfit, I would pay $5 to put it on. Well, you know, Jeff, you could just say you put on the San Diego chicken outfit. I, just like I, I mean, could claim I'm claim. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, claim. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. You could always say it, you know. All right. Well, we'll we'll let we'll let you sort all that out. Uh, I now here's something else that somebody else can say. So, big news this last week was uh, from Major League Baseball, which is this is great news. Also, you know, I think a little bit of sleight of hand to distract people from some other things going on in baseball. But uh, MLB said, hey, we are now counting Negro League stats as Major League Baseball stats. Yeah, that's awesome. A lot of, you know, all all this, not all. And and I did find some discrepancies. You know, the, the. they're counting through a certain year, 1948, they're saying all oh, the Negro League Baseball stats up until that point are now considered Major League Baseball stats. Just remember that the Negro Leagues played for another two years after that. So what what's going on with that? But this is cool, but it also changes some, some stats that are in the record book. One of those was, remember, and we've talked about this several times, that Satchel Page was thought of as being the oldest player to ever make his major league debut when he debuted at 41 for Cleveland right. in 1948. Well, now he debuted in the major leagues long before that because. Okay. That's true. Yeah. So I want to bring up, I want to bring up this name and I had never heard this name before. Diomedes Olivo. I think I'm saying that. No clue. Right. Diomedes Alivo. Well, Diomedes is from the Dominican Republic, and in 1960, he made his major league debut with Pittsburgh at the age of 41. The same age that, until now, Satchel Page made his major league debut at. That, so, I never even thought of it that way. That's impressive. I think of changing records as, you know, somebody actually had more home runs than somebody else. Now that's the new record, but a record coming in and losing, losing a record. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Well, also, and I I did some, did some math, you know, with that Negro League statistics, which of course are not, we've talked about how they are not, it's not always representational of the numbers they put up because some games weren't counted. They played against semi-pro teams. There wasn't somebody there keeping score and records and all that. Satchel Page now moved up to 101 in the all-time strikeout list. Oh, wow. 
So he, he's improved in some other things. But I want to get back to Diomedes Olivo because I'd never heard of him. He actually made his professional baseball debut for Havana of the Cuban League at the age of 36. So this guy was what is known as a late bloomer. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Other guys are retiring, and he's just getting into pro ball, period. But made his debut in 1960. He appeared in four games, uh, ended up with an ERA of 279, 2.79. He pitched for two more years in 62 and 63. He appeared in 85 games total. He ended up with an ERA of 3.10, not bad, struck out 85 batters in 107 innings. So it was actually pretty successful. Yeah. And he was actually traded with Dick Grote to the Cardinals. Dick Grote had a good career. Yes, he did. He was a good player. MVP. Interesting. Won two World Series. But uh, so that's That's good, right? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I thought that was kind of interesting that uh, Satchel Page actually now might not be considered the oldest player to make his major league debut. Also, now that Satchel Page played in like five different decades, which is a record. He might have played in more decades than that. We just don't know. Yeah, he could have been playing in the 1800s. Nobody really know, you know, he never told people what his actual age was. So because he didn't know. That's right. Uh, okay, let's get into our let's get into our our Mandalorian crossover here because the the Mandalorian season two ended last week. Spectacular, amazing. My favorite, one of my favorite, if not my favorite character in the Star Wars universe, has been for quite a while, Ahsoka Tano. Uh, she, of course, made a an appearance in this season of the Mandalorian. So Ahsoka was played by Rosario Dawson in, in, the, in The Mandalorian, but Ahsoka has been a character in the animated Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Rebels, uh, the, you know, those, those shows for quite some time. She is voiced by actress Ashley Drain Eckstein. That last Who name. to be. Yeah, married to <laughs> David Eckstein. I did not know that. <laughs> I thought that was That's a talented cool. family. I mean, just her, but it's, you know, talented. <laughs> David Eckstein was a World Series MVP, sir. This is true. This is true. I, I, I make fun of him sort of just because, you know, he, he was always voted in those Sports Illustrated polls, the uh, player who does the most with the least talent. And that's actually a compliment because he obviously worked hard, uh, put everything together and, and gave 100%. I mean, you've seen him play. You know how he's hard-nosed and tough. But yeah, they always, those things always come up with his name. And I'm always like, you know, how does that feel? But in all honesty, it's kind of a compliment. His nicknames, I I have never heard of his nicknames. X Factor and Just Enough. (laughs) What is that? Just Enough to Stay in the Majors? Uh, But looking at this, his first two years in the league in 2001 and 2002, both years he led the league in hit by pitches and sacrifice bunts. Old school. Yeah, so first year he got hit 21 times, second year 27 times, and his first year he laid down 16 bunts, and the second year 14. Nice. Let's see, his first seven years in the big leagues, he had double digits of hit by pitch. (laughs) Lean into it, David. Yeah, and then after that, I guess he started dodging getting out of the way. <laughs> I got to get out of the way of these things. It's starting to take a toll. 
Yeah, but <laughs> two-time World Series uh, champion with the Angels and the Cardinals. Wanted to, uh, we talk, uh, I, I reference his uh, Twitter feed quite a bit. He actually threw out some Ricky Henderson facts the other day that I engaged him in a conversation. But uh, at the Ace of Spader, uh, I think maybe we've even talked about this for If Ty Cobb right now returned to baseball, he could go, Oh, for 2,523, he would still have a lifetime batting average of 300. <laughs> well, I, and the thing is, in the current condition that Ty is, uh, he might go over. <laughs> I am saying he could step out of the grave and still hit 250. It's possible. But yeah, you could just <laughs> like put his coffin at the plate with uh, and put a bat on it, and you could... Yeah. You could march him up there 2,500 times, and he would still be hitting over 300. Yeah. He could also uh, could go... weekend of Bernie. <laughs> yeah. You, he could also go 0 for 250 and still be the all-time leader in batting average. Wow. So you're saying he could hit? He could yeah. hit, yes. He could do a lot of things. Remember we talked about how he just... He thought home runs were lame, like he thought it, it took yeah. more skill to to put the ball where you wanted. And then he decided that he was going to hit home runs and he went out and hit like four in the next two games or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of did what he wanted. Kind of like Ichiro. I mean, Ichiro's like that. He could have hit home runs if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. If, if you've never seen Ichiro in batting practice, it's a show, man. He just hits home run after home run after home run right down the right field line. All right. Let's get into trivia. I asked you a question last week, and nobody gave me the answer. I got a lot of I got, I got a lot of people telling me I said something wrong last week, which we'll get to in a minute. Ah. the The question I asked last week was: Which jersey number has been worn by the most rookies of the year? And yes, I did not expect anybody to get this, and nobody got this. So I was I I have to assume it was a good question. Do you have any idea yeah. what jersey number the most rookies of the year have worn? Um, I would be guessing, but my guess is twenty four. Twenty four, as far as I can tell, has only had uh, one person. <laughs> so I was off. You were you're off by a little. <laughs> the uh, the number has had. Eight people have worn this number. And actually, I've already mentioned one of them today. It's number five. And it, that I was, five. I was referencing Johnny Bench for the rookie of the year. Oh, sure. The other uh, rookies of the year, and, and it's just giving me last names here. So I'm going to extrapolate here. Uh, Lefevre, which I, is Jim Lefevre, possibly? Probably, yeah. Yep. Jim Lefevre was the rookie of the year for the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1965. He wore number five his entire career, all eight years with the Dodgers. Next, Hi. we have got Johnny Bench. Then we've got Bob Horner, Jeff Bagwell, Nomar Garcia Para, Albert Pujols, and now it says Seeger. So I'm assuming Kyle Seeger didn't win rookie of the year. So I'm assuming this means Corey Seeger. And uh, the, mm -hmm. the final one is Jethro. I don't know who this is. Jethro. Jethro. <laughs> I'm going to guess. I'm just doing a quick search here. It's Sam Jethro. He was the rookie of the year in 1950 for the Boston Braves. 
You sure it wasn't Jethro Tull? I'm sure it wasn't Jethro Tull. Uh, he played okay. yeah, a pretty good year. He, he led the league in stolen bases his first two years in the league with 35 each year and 28 in his third. He only played for four years, and that fourth year he only play, appeared in two games. And his nickname was the right. Jet. Nice. Sam the, the jet. jet. Yeah. Now, this nice. is... Uh, he. he Appeared in the big leagues later in, in his 30s. He played in the Negro Leagues for, let's see, uh, for eight years as well. But he didn't, well, the, the records here, as we've mentioned, didn't steal a lot in the Negro Leagues. Uh, but then mm. once he joined the International League, he joined the Montreal, uh, the Montreal Royals, the same team that Jackie Robinson was on. Then we get into 18, 89, 35, 35, 28, 27, 23, 24. So good speed for the Jet uh, hmm. once they started keeping those records a little bit better. Now, when I asked this question, I said this, you know, rookie of the year doesn't go back all the way to the 1800s. It's just around the 1960s. And I got hammered for that. Okay, it started earlier than the 1960s, but I was just throwing out a general date. I mean, of course, Jackie Robinson was the rookie of the year in 1947, so it, it goes back to, you know, at least in the in the 40s. But I was yeah. I was not being specific. I realized my my dates were not right on, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a pass here because I was simply just saying you don't have 150 years you got to go through. It's just middle mm -hmm. of the well, 1900s. You didn't have a lawyer for that either. You just defended yourself. No, I'm yourself. defending myself. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. A kangaroo lawyer. I've, I've watched I've watched enough courtroom dramas that I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. You can send your you can appeal it, but I'm gonna just tell you right now I'm the judge and jury. So, all right, no, they're, they're gonna appeal it. Yeah, well, of course they are. Uh, Our okay. listener, you know. <laughs> next question uh, for net for for next week. Which visiting player? hit the most home runs at old Yankee stadium. So we're not talking Ooh. about the, the Yankee stadium that they're playing it. Now we're talking about old Yankee stadium from 1923 through 2008. That is a long wow. time with a lot of good players playing a lot of games at old Yankee stadium. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, what I'm thinking about is that you need someone with a pretty, uh, with some longevity in their career, and somebody who obviously had some pop um, uh, and, you know, and didn't play for the Yankees. So uh, I'm batting this around and I can't come up with anything right now except for <laughs> Harold Trainer. I don't know. I have no idea. I will. Uh, I'm going to let you think about that because it's, uh, right. it's an interesting answer. Very interesting answer. And I'm excited. It's somebody we I don't think we've talked about before. Oh, nice. And they're, I'll give you this clue. They're a Hall of Famer. Okay. So, I mean, one of my th my first thoughts would have been Ted Williams and, and mm -hmm. being a Hall of Famer as well. But then I just said we've never talked about him. So Right. Well, AL East is kind of what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Somebody that's, of course, remember the AL East used to, when there were just two AL West and AL East, there were a lot more right. teams in the AL East. But, uh, yeah, you got to think of somebody that, when they played, their team was in the AL East, as this gentleman was. He played for one team. No, actually, he played for three teams uh, his entire career. Okay. But two of them were in the American League East. So, so you're saying it wasn't Cal Ripken Jr. No, okay, I won't guess that it one. Was not, it wasn't David Ortiz. I'll 
I'll give you that clue okay. as well. Of course, we've talked about both those guys. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, let's wrap up BP. We have got uh, Tales from the Dugout uh, to, in celebration of Ricky Henderson's birthday. We're, we're kind of taking a, a easy this week and just doing some shorter stories instead of the long form stuff. So, Mark, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Um, I found this funny, uh, funny haha, not funny bite me, but a uh, funny little event that took place September 19th, 1940 with Luke Appling of the White Sox, and he's facing red roughing of the Yankees. All right, so there's two guys on base. He fouls off the first pitch, fouls off the second pitch, the third and the fourth, then he takes pitch number five for a ball. And he fouled off the next six pitches, and he took the 12th pitch for a ball, so the count was two and two after 12 pitches. The pitcher threw another pitch, he fouled it off, and he fouled off the next 13 pitches. (laughs) And he finally got his walk on the 28th pitch to load the bases. And the next batter hit a grand slam. <laughs> wow. 20, That's a heck of an at-bat. 28 pitches. My gosh. That's going to blow a bullpen up. It's going to blow one, <laughs> one reliever <laughs> up. He's like, I'm gassed. Yeah, no doubt. The funny thing about Luke Appling is I, I remember uh, I was – really young and it was 1982 and there was an old timers classic game yeah. and i see this guy this old man kind of like he looks like he's hobbling it's to like the he plate. needed a cane yeah <laughs> he's kind of bent over he gets up to the plate and he pops one out of the ballpark and, and and it was just like dude what just happened i guess once you have that kind of power maybe it's tough to get rid of but luke appling yeah he's we haven't talked much about him he was a heck of a player yeah, I, that that clip of that old timers game makes its way around Twitter. Like yeah. every two months, everybody's like, "Look what I found!" And yeah, it's like. <laughs> but I yeah, watched that live, and I just, I remember thinking, "What is with the old dude?" Pow! Oh, I'll never question it again. Now I'm an old dude. Yeah, I mean, now you get like a twelve pitch at bat. You're like, my gosh, when is this at bat ever going to end? Yeah. <laughs> quality at bat. But you know, a 12 yeah, pitch at bat one. today probably lasted longer than that 28 pitch at bat. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Depending on who's the, uh, who's taking their time in the, in the uh, batter circle, but, uh, or on the pitcher's mound, these guys can walk around for a while out there. You're right. A 28 pitch at bat might take an hour and a half now. Well, let's see. So Luke Appling played 1930 through 1950. So the, that wasn't the time when you still only played with one or two balls all game. So I was going to say maybe right. they had to wait while they go and found one of them, but that he fouled <laughs> off. But no, that's old aches and pains, yeah, Luke Appling. That's why he, yeah. Yeah, no, remember when we talked about him, he was nicknamed that because he always looked like he was hurt and, and stuff like that. So maybe that we actually got to see a little bit of the old aches and pains when he hobbled up to the plate. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, if I, at 75, I hope I can walk down the hallway, let alone hit a home run. I'm going to go watch that again now, just because I forgot that he, I, I knew that nickname, old aches and pains, but I forgot it was him when I see that clip. So I want to, I want to watch it and put it in context again. That's good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I will, I will see your Luke Appling and I will raise you a story about one of the most unique player names in baseball history, but he was also involved in a very unique play. So let's get back in the Wayback Machine. August 22nd, 1886. Way, way back. Okay. 
Cincinnati Red Stockings are visiting the Louisville Colonels of the American Association. Again, there is no R in the word Colonels. It's why. Why is there no R in that <laughs> word? The game was tied heading to the bottom of the ninth inning at good old Eclipse Park, home of the, car, the Colonels. The winning run is on base for Louisville, and to the plate strides William Van Winkle Wolf, which is a great 1800s baseball name. He was also yeah. sometimes known as Jimmy, Jimmy Wolf, which I don't know where do you get Jimmy from William Van Winkle. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. Well, so, so sometimes he's known as Jimmy. Most often he's known by another nickname, Chicken. His, uh, his, chicken? He went by Chicken Wolf is how he was referred to. <laughs> chicken Wolf. Yeah, Chicken That's pretty wolf. awesome. Oh, uh, wolf in Chicken's Clothing, something like that. So yeah. winning run is on base in the ninth inning. You want Chicken at the plate, right? Well, he because he gets oh, sure. the, he gets the job done. So he drives the ball to the outfield. Where in the outfield? I don't know. I can I can find the score to this game, but there is no actual box score, nor is there a better description than he drove the ball to the outfield. <laughs> so he <laughs> let's say that the runner was on first. So he's got a ways to go to to score to win. So the ball is heading in the outfield. It's heading towards the wall. And like I said, the guy is charging around the bases. Red's outfielder Abner Powell is trying to cut the ball off to keep the runner from scoring and, and winning the game. Looks like it's going to be an exciting play, but there's one thing that sticks out in this play. Out at the base okay. of the wall is a dog. <laughs> Apparently, okay. this dog was taking a nap in front of the wall. At some point during the game, he got on the field and laid down at the base of the wall and was just taking a nap. I don't know if nobody saw this or if if somebody saw it, but they didn't want to go disturb the nap. They're like, oh, he's a good boy. Just let him sleep in the sun there. It's good. So but this dog is now awoken. I don't know if the crowd's cheering, if people are yelling, you got Abner Powell running at you and there's a ball coming at you. So he's not happy. He's a bit startled. And, you know, when dogs get startled, sometimes they tend to attack. So this dog, in fact, actually runs up to Powell and bites him on the leg and doesn't let go. So I've seen reports where Powell never even got to the ball. Others where he eventually shook the dog off of his leg but regardless <laughs> by this time not only has that winning run scored but our guy chicken wolf has circled the bases for a game winning two run inside the park walk-off home run with an assist assist from rover yeah now i i do want to note that this is obviously technically not a home run because right, it sure. was inside the parker he would only be credited the number of bases needed to for him to touch for for the other guy to score so a triple right. would have been ultimately because this was a walk off the most bases he could have been awarded but the final score is listed as five to three which is odd maybe this okay. has changed yeah. i don't know but today it would certainly not be a home run yeah no doubt uh chicken wolf actually had a pretty good career in his 11 years uh, from 1882 to 1892, his best season, probably 1890, when he not only led the league in hits with 197 
in only 134 games, he also won the batting title with a 363 average. Uh, baseball wow. Reference lists outfielders as just anybody that played any of the positions in the outfield. So I don't know which position in the okay. outfield he actually played, but he is also listed as playing every other spot on the diamond. He caught, he played first, second, third, short, and he even pitched three times wow. in his career. He didn't pitch well. That's great. I'm going to tell you this. He didn't pitch no, well. No, okay. Uh, his <laughs> he, he only appeared in, in three games his entire career, one of which was during this season where he hit this inside the park, quote-unquote, home run. Uh, he finished with a 10.8 ERA. So not mm, spectacular. Not solid. Yeah. Uh, his time behind the plate as a catcher, also not that great. He caught 39 games in his career, totaled 58 passed balls. So that is, it's about a one and a half pass balls per game that they stuck him back there. Not fantastic, but his name was Chicken Wolf. Mm, well, Chicken Wolf. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I never heard of him. I like it. Jeff, I got a question for you. We found out very recently that uh, the Cleveland baseball team is going to change their name from the Indians. Yep. Good and after what a hundred and some years, um, but it's interesting because you your favorite team is the Cleveland Spiders, right? Yes, I've already been pushing for the Spiders to be to be the name. I'm, I'm all for it. This is this is a chance for two strike noise to make a difference. You know, we'll push for the whole Cleveland Spiders thing, even though we don't live anywhere near Cleveland, and uh, we'll petition for the Cleveland Spiders. What do you say? I'm I'm so for it. I mean. It, the Forest Cities, of course, would still be my first choice, their original name. Sure. Uh, and then the the Naps, uh, you know, after Nap Lajue. Um Yes. And then I've heard uh, some people want Cleveland Rocks, which is, you know. Cleveland Rocks. No, Rocks. I like you know. it. Yeah, but I, I, think the, I think the Colorado Rockies would probably have a problem oh, with that. Oh, yeah, that might be an issue So there. that probably isn't going to happen. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. I think the spiders would be so great because it would be. I mean, one you can just use the logo. It's great. The logo is a C with legs coming out of it. I mean, it's a it's a great yeah. It, it's a great marketing logo. It'll be e an easy sell. I, I agree. I I would love to see the Cleveland Spiders and think about what a marketing boon that would be. Yeah, everybody that owns Indians. Uh, stuff will now have to get spider stuff or whoever they decide on. So that, you know, Cleveland's going to make a little money off of this and uh, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I don't think. Yeah. I think they're still going to be called the, the current name for the next season. I mean, there's no way that you can, you can change everything that quickly, but no, you know, no, they, that's true. they did do, you know, at least made a step a couple of years ago when they got rid of the chief Wahoo logo and just went to a C real racist caricature hasn't been around for a while but you know there's still also people that will always wear it and swear there's nothing wrong with it be that be that person but uh, i'm excited um all, all right i wanted to talk about uh, i wanted to i wanted to ask you a question first mark if you had the choice yeah. between being a major league manager or a major league owner which would you choose that's a tough call because the owner really doesn't get to make you know, all the decisions you get your GM who makes your decisions for who's going to be on the team. And then you get your manager and coaching staff who's going to make the decisions on the field. However, if you own a major league baseball team, you're probably wealthy. So I'm going to go with owner. 
All right. Well, what if I told you you could be both? I would love to. I would say then your name is Ted Turner. Let's uh, <laughs> let's jump once again back into the uh, well or Connie Mack, but let's jump way back at, not as far back as before. We're not going back to 1886. Let's go to 1977. To be specific, May 11th, 1977. Atlanta just lost 16 straight games. And in early May, they're already 15 and a half games out of first place. Uh, owner Ted Turner, this is his second year owning the club, was not happy about the progress. And uh, he figured it was probably going to be another rough night as the 8-22 and 22 Atlanta team traveled to Three Rivers Stadium to take on the Pirates, who were 20-7 and seven, and clearly in 1977, the best team. So Turner decided that then Atlanta manager Dave Bristol might need some time off. They've lost 16 in a row. They're 15 and a half out. He said, you know, I don't, I'm not going to fire you. Why don't you take some time off? I'm going to send you on a quote unquote scouting trip and sent him home. So he's like, you're not fired. You just, I want you to go home for a while and think about what you've done. So you might think that with the manager gone, maybe the bench coach would take over, the pitching coach, the bat boy. I don't know. Now, that would be the expectation. Yeah, it would be. But no, uh, Ted Turner says, hey, you know what? I'm the manager. So Turner puts on a jersey and heads down to the dugout. During batting <laughs> practice, Turner is mingling with players and press on the field. At one point, he asked that night starter Phil Necro, he said, hey, Phil, where do you want to bat in the lineup tonight? He's like giving him the option. Uh, Necro suggested that, the, you know, the nine hole is probably the best place for me to bat. So first decision right there. He's going to keep the pitcher in the nine hole. Uh, Turner admitted that he really didn't do anything during the game except for to make some jokes on the bench. He put on a bunt and a steal once or twice, but he had to go tell a coach he wanted to do it because he had no idea what the signs were or how to deliver them or anything like that. Uh, that's awesome. Fortunately for Turner, Nikura threw a complete game that night, so he never had to go out to the mound and make a pitching change. But the Bucks did come out on top thanks to a Dave Parker homer. Final score was two to one. So Turner is probably riding high at this point. He's like, we lost, but we only lost by one run. Right. He was actually planning on staying at the helm of the club for 10 games. But after his first game, he received a telegram from National League President Chubb Feeney. I've never heard the name Chubb Feeney, but I am going to do some looking at that name. And uh, good old Chubb said, you know what, Ted, that's enough. <laughs> you're, you're not doing this anymore. <laughs> our, our boy Chubb pointed out Rule 20E in the official baseball rules, which basically says no manager or player is allowed to own any part of a club that they are playing or managing for. This rule was actually enacted the day after Connie Mack retired as the owner manager of the Philadelphia athletics for over 50 years. He was the, (laughs) he was, he was doing it all. Turner was unmoved by this telegram. He said, quote, if I'm smart enough to save $11 million to buy the team, I ought to be smart enough to manage it, end quote. Yeah. Well, that was his one and only game. Ended with a managerial record of 0-1. Atlanta broke their losing streak the next day, but ended up losing 101 games that year. And Dave Bristol was fired at the end of the season. 
The next skipper to take <laughs> over, Bobby Cox. Now, wow. this Bobby Cox only had one winning season in his first stint in Atlanta. Then, of course, he came back in 1990 and led them to five National League pennants and a World Series in 1995 and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2014. But that was nice. the day. And we haven't talked about it. The, remember, there was that one, of course, it was Bill Vec who distributed signs to fans and let them vote on what what they wanted to do during a game at one point that didn't go over so well either. But it's just like actors that want to be rock stars and rock stars that want to be actors. They That's never, right. They can never right. really do both. Uh, Ted Turner in the dugout. By the way, um, as a card collector, Ted Turner does ha- actually have two managerial baseball cards for his one game. Really? So, yeah, you can get it on eBay right now. I just took a look. They sell for around three bucks. Oh, very affordable. Yeah. It's, so you want an affordable autograph? Uh, it's only ten bucks to oh, to wow. find Ted's autograph on one. So, oh, you know. Nice. Well, you know, Mark. Speaking of baseball cards, what what a perfect segment. yes. That was brilliant. No kidding. This Thank is you. brilliant podcasting. That means. It's time for everybody's favorite cardboard-based gladiatorial one-on-one contest. It's time for Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull a wax pack hero. Stars in his eyes. Hero. On the podcast tonight. All right, Mark. We're, uh, we changed it up a little while ago. We're, we're not using the Beckets for a little while because we've got some newer cards that are not listed in that Beckets. And uh, today we're doing something a little bit different. Since we're using War, we can technically mix and match uh, packs here because we, it doesn't matter right. the value. doesn't matter if they're different years since we're looking at War. So I have got a couple packs of Top Stadium Club. One is from 1991 and one is from 1994. So we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna go one on one. Just a reminder: right now the uh, the standings are as such. You have won eight, and I have won six. So we're Ooh, going to close. yeah. It's I, I'm I'm inching closer. So we're gonna do this. We open these packs. We're gonna look at the players' war for the season of the pack that we are looking at, and uh, we will total that. You can get some extra points some different ways. If you've got a mustache, you're gonna get an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a Tom Selleck-like mustache, you're gonna get an extra two tenths of a point. If you are wearing real stirrups and we can see it, you're gonna get an extra tenth of a point. But if you're wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that's a minus tenth of a point. If you have got wristbands on with your caricature, your signature, your jersey number, or a McDonald's logo, because it happens, you're gonna get an extra tenth of a point. If you are wearing glasses, spectacles, goggles, an eye patch, anything over your eyes, you're gonna get an extra tenth of a war as well because that'd be pretty cool to see somebody with an eye patch. Be kind of hard because your depth perception's off, but still, if you're playing baseball, it's pretty cool. If you're wearing high tops, that's gonna be a minus a tenth. If you're wearing high tops and two-in-ones, that's minus two-tenths of a war because that's just that's not a good thing. And then, of course, if you're a Hall of Famer, we're going to give you a whole extra point of war. All right, Mark, I'm going to give you the option of, uh, do, you want, do you want the 94 or do you want the 91 flavor? I, uh, I'd like the 91, actually. Oh, okay. I was, I was expecting you to go with the 94. Well, I'm going to go yeah. ahead, since I am trailing, I'm going to be the home team and I'm going to go last. That gives me no... 
advantage at all, but I'm going to do it. So let's go ahead and open up your 1991. Jeez, these are like taped together. I'm going to have to actually get scissors. That's well, you know, at least that way, you know, that hasn't been unpacked and repacked. Yeah, well, we're hoping. All right. Let's because it is also kind of attached to the back card, which is kind of odd because this is not actual wax pack. But all right, here we go. Let's uh, let's uh, jump into these. I got to bend them a little bit because these are stuck to each other because they're so glossy. It's one of the downsides to these beautiful yeah, glossy yeah. cards. All right. You're going to start off with a former National League MVP. We just talked about some of his teams with, that were managed by Bobby Cox. It is none other than Terry Pendleton, here third baseman for the Atlanta Braves. And I love Terry Pendleton, man. He was a clutch guy. Uh, 1991. This, is, this bodes really well for you because that MVP year I mentioned, it is 1991. That is the year nice. he won the MVP. Led the league in hits, led the league in batting average, and led the league in total bases. Let's see, for 1991, he had a war of uh, 6.1. Nice. That is, beautiful. that is a great way to start off. Now, I'm having a real hard time telling if these are real stirrups or not. I'm going to just go ahead and say they are. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. That'll, uh, that'll bring you up to 6.2. By the way, I've got a picture of right me on. holding his MVP award. That i got to dig up. Nice. Because it is an actual photograph back when we had to use film. Oh, wow, weird. Okay, wow, you got a Braves pack here. Uh, another member of those teams. Uh, we've mentioned him before because he's now a news anchor in the Atlanta area. It's Ron Gant. Oh, man, Ron Gant. There's there's a pure hitter right there. He's got, he had a lot of power and he was quick. You know, he was just, he was, I loved watching him play. Yeah, he had uh, double digits, stolen bases quite a bit. Uh, at one point, he went 33, 34, 32, 26. Was, uh, yeah, he had some pop. Boy, yeah, he had a lot of pop. 321 was career. Was he 30-30? Yes, he was in 1991. <laughs> 1991, he was 30-30. Uh, 32 home runs, runs 34 stolen bases. The year before that, 32 home runs, 33 stolen bases. So back-to-back 30-30 wow. years. That's... It, in case you're not initiated in 30-30, that's, he hit 30 home runs and stole 30 bases in the same season. Yeah, now, for, uh, for somebody to go 30-30, you would think that they would probably have a pretty good war. Only a 2.0. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Ron Gant always has a mustache, though, and I can't tell again, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to say that those are real stirrups. So that'll give you a 2.2 total and bring you up to 8.4 war. Next, okay. this guy I remember mainly with the Dodgers. Here he is with the Milwaukee Brewers, Franklin Stubbs. Franklin Ticket Stubbs, absolutely. Franklin Tickets. Well, I don't have anything to say about Well, his nickname was actually Cadillac, which is much better than Tickets Stubbs. <laughs> if, if I was going to choose a name, and it could be either Tickets Johnston or, or Cadillac <laughs> or Cadillac Johnston, <laughs> I, would go, I would go with Tickets. Okay. What was your nickname? Your real nickname is Johnny Washington or something, isn't it? Johnny Washington. Uh, also, uh, just if you want to do it short, just Macko. Everybody calls me Macko. <laughs> so this is at the end of his career. Uh, still had a positive war here, a point two. But now you're going to score here because he's got a mustache. But more importantly, he has got sweatbands with his caricature on it. Oh, awesome. So that will actually bring you up to a point four war for Frankie Stubbs. Nice. I wonder if they called him Frankie. I'm going to call him Frankie. All right, next we've got That's the fine. Candyman. Now, there's two guys that I think of the Candyman. There's Candy Maldonado and this guy. This guy's a pitcher. 
Any idea? Tom Candiotti. Oh, well, now there's three guys. Uh, no, okay, this is John, John Candelaria. Candelaria. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep, the nicknamed the Candyman. John Candelaria was a rookie in 1975. My goodness, he pitched wow. for 19 years. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot. Pitched for, wow, he pitched for just about everybody except for Seattle and Oakland, our two, our two teams. Uh, right. 1991, however, uh, near the end of his career, uh, ended up, well, he still ended up with positive, a point oh or a, a point one war. Nothing else going on here that's going to garner you any must, plus or minus, though. It's a, it's a headshot from spring training. Uh, in fact, oh, all okay. of these cards are, well, not all of them. Most of these are actually from spring training. Okay, next, uh, this one also from spring training. It's Herm Winningham, outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds. I remember Herm Winningham. I don't remember a whole lot about him. Uh, let's see, in 1991, what is final year with the Reds? He played for four years for the Reds. Not a great year, 225, not much power, not much going on. Yeah. Let's see, 91, actually an absolutely average year, 0, 0.0. Um, but I hate to tell you this, he's wearing two and ones, so he's actually going to wow. ding you, You're, move you down to 8.8. .8. Next, we've um. got a guy that pitched forever. He was on the... Uh, Mets team in 1986 in the World Series against the Red Sox. Here he is with the Cleveland team. It's Jesse Orozco. Jesse Orozco, that's right. He was uh, in that 86 team. He was one of those uh, guys out of the bullpen that was so uh, impressive. Yep. Speaking of guys that pitched for a long time, Jesse Orozco pitched for 24 years. That is crazy. He's a lefty, right? Uh, Jesse Orozco is definitely a lefty. He also holds the, still holds the all-time major league record of games appeared in uh, for a pitcher with 1,252. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you're right. He was around a while. Yeah. I mean, for almost a quarter of a century, he played in the big leagues. That's wow, pretty cool. In I'm telling 19... you folks, if you have children, raise them to be left-handed yeah. relievers. Put those, got a great utensils, put those utensils in their left hand and force them to use it. Uh, let's Even see. tie the right arms down. I, I don't care. Or cut them you off. You want a lefty. Either. Yeah, just make them. Oh, I won't go that far. Well, I might. 0.7 war uh, this season. Mm. Not bad. Nothing else this really. positive. Yeah, nothing else really going on in this uh, in this picture uh, that's going to get you anything. But uh, 0.7 war is going to bring you up to 9.5. And uh, another guy right. from the Cleveland Indians. Now, catcher Joel Skinner, who I believe we mentioned, uh, later went on to skipper the Cleveland team for like a Half a season or something, because I didn't remember. Joel Skinner, he must have played a while, right? I know he was on the Yankees as a catcher when Ricky was there. Mm -hmm. uh, let's mm -hmm. see, he played in the bigs for nine years. Just Sh nine, okay. Chicago, Cleveland, and the Yankees. Uh, never, no awards, never led the league, just a solid backup catcher, which is generally really who become managers, right? Uh, yeah, yep, absolutely. 1991 was his final year. He did manage to tally a .3 war. And uh, that's all you're going to get because uh, nothing else <laughs> going on in that in that car. Just he scraped up a third of a point for me. Yeah. All right. Next, a very baby-faced pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Tim McIntosh. No clue, man. want to say the name's familiar, but I don't even know that I can say that. Uh, Timothy <laughs> McIntosh, he pitched for five years, but never. He only had one full year, and that was in 92 where uh, where he appeared in 35 games. That was his season high. I guess he's not a pitcher. I, for some reason, I assumed he was a pitcher. No, he's a uh, second baseman, apparently. Or no, he's a catcher. 
He played everywhere. Okay. I, this, yeah, no clue, man. Yeah, I, I am not familiar with him. Positions, catcher, left field, first base. So kind mm. of a, we need somebody. Uh, did manage a <laughs> .1 war. Still saying to the positive. Yeah. So uh, that'll bring you up to 9.9. Next, it is a pitcher. This guy came out of the the pen for the White Sox, I believe, for quite a while. Scott Radinsky. Sure, yeah. Radinsky, if I remember right, he was a pretty good, like a setup kind of guy. Let's Yeah, I I said he came in from the bullpen. Let's make sure. Yeah, he was definitely a reliever. (laughs) Pitched a lot. My God. His first yeah. three, uh, four years in the big league, 62, 67, 68, and 73 games. And then wow. his arm died. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, but, but he was... Haas uh, Radburn out there, man. Yeah, in 91, great season. He appeared in 67 games, a 2.02 ERA. Wow. Uh, let's see, 71 innings. He struck out 49. So not a power guy, but a, a whip of 1.06. That's really good. So let's wow. see. Uh, his war that year was a 2.2. Right on. Yeah, for a for a reliever, that is really for good. A relief pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, so that'll bring you up to 12.1. You've got uh, three cards left. Next is a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, Tim Leana. Uh, you got me on that one, too. That does not sound familiar. I remember Timmy, mainly because it's a fun name to say, Leana. Uh, Leona only pitched, yeah, he only pitched three years in the big leagues. Uh, he was on that 90 World Series team for the Reds, which is, I'm guessing, where I remember him most from. In right. uh, 1991, he did not have a good year. He was 0-2 with a 6.97 ERA. Uh-oh. Uh, struck out 14 and walked 11. So, you that's know that's not, not good. Uh, war of z- minus 0.6. But he uh, does ooh. have real stirrups on. So... That means that you're only going to minus a 0.5. So you're at 11.6. We were all to the positive up until here. Yeah. Next, I remember. So this guy, I believe, was one of the few guys, and probably in the last 30 years, that has been traded between the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's. It does not happen very often. His nickname was D. Lou, Darren Lewis. Yeah, I remember Darren Lewis. I remember him as a, as a giant. I remember him as an athletic, shockingly I'm enough. sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. D. Lou played for 13 years in the big leagues. He played for a lot of guys, a lot of teams. He only played for Oakland for one year. But, yeah, I remember him definitely as, a, uh, as an A. He came up with the A's in 1990. 91, he was traded after that one year with Oakland with, uh, to the Giants. So it's okay. 72 games, 248. Uh, average a 358 on base, not too bad, but let's see war wise, uh, 1.0. So I'll take it. Uh, yeah, nothing else going on in that card. That's going to get you anything. So that'll bring you up to 12.6. And your final card is uh catcher for the Texas Rangers. It's a good card. It's him sliding into home base. And I have to assume that this was spring training because he's sliding in against the pirates and in 1991, there was no interleague yet because there's Spanky Lavalier standing right behind oh, him. Oh, okay. But uh, John Russell. I got to tell you again, I'm not, I'm not recalling anything about him. Uh, so John Russell uh, also went on to manage, if you will remember, the Pirates for a couple of years in the mid-2000s. But uh, John Russell okay. uh, had a 10-year career in the bigs as a catcher. 
uh, played mainly with Philadelphia and Texas and then spent one year in Atlanta in 1989. Uh, 1991 was not a great season for him. He hit 111 with a 138 on base percentage. Oh, he's <laughs> so, going to kill me. Yeah, that's a minus 0.4 war. Now, he is a catcher, and I can see a stirrup, so you know that's going to get you a 0.1. So it's only going to be a minus 0.3. But uh, okay. that was your last card. That will bring you to a 12.3 war. So that's a solid Our career. Been higher but, than that. Uh, yeah. It's, it, no Hall of Famers. That's uh, it's no, that's what kind of weird when we don't get a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Your best card would. Well, Pendleton and Gant are clearly your best cards. After that, yeah. there's a big drop off. All right. Yeah. So let's go to this. We've never opened a pack of 94 Stadium Club on this show before. So, so exciting. Let's let's see what we got. I don't even know what they look like. Oh, they are 90s cards. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> the design on these things is um, unique. I mean, it looks like... Do you remember the graphics from uh, ESPN2 when it started, when it was the Deuce? Yes. That's what these the look deuce. like. Like, the, the, the first name... Uh, looks like it was uh, like on a piece of paper, but you're you rip it away to see what's behind it. And then the second name is like a label maker kind of thing. And uh, it on the back, there's fonts are all different sizes. It looks like the real world, like opening credits. It is something. It, <laughs> these are a mess. I'm not going to lie. These are a mess. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming I mean, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that assumes a lot. But I'm thinking you're not a fan of these cards. I am not a fan of these cards. These are some ugly-looking cards. <laughs> I mean, unless you like '90s style. If you like '90s style, then these are probably right up your uh, right up your alley. Yeah. But if you're a fan of the '98 Backstreet Kids on the sink, uh, these are your cards. These are these are your jam. All right, let's get right into it. I have not heard of this guy. For the uh, Detroit Tigers, Skeeter Barnes. I remember I remember Skeeter Barnes uh, just because his name was Skeeter, and I always thought that was quite the name. It's weird. I don't know anything about he him. He played for nine years. I would have thought he huh. was like a one-and-done kind of guy, but no, he played for nine years. Debuted in 83. Uh, 91 was hmm. his first year here with the Tigers. Actually, wow, had a decent year. 289, five home runs in 75 games, 325 on base, slugging of 491. Uh, let's see, Mr. Barnes. Oh, wait, no, this is 90. We're, I'm not looking at 91, am I? I'm looking at 94. I got to remember. Not as good a year. <laughs> uh, actually, a minus 0.1 war. He's got a mustache, though. That's my only saving grace to make that a, a push on my first card for Skeeter Barnes. Yeah. Just curious to see if he was uh, involved in any uh, notable. Uh, let's see, he was uh, once traded by the Expos with Dan Schitzneider. Now, remember, Dan Schitzneider was traded for Ron LaFleur from the Tigers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we talked about a while ago. All right, next, uh, this is probably, unless I get a Hall of Famer, this will probably be my best card at the pack. Here he is for the Florida Marlins. It is Gary Sheffield. Oh, wow, awesome. Yeah, Gary had quite a career, and I remember him coming up as a rookie, and just he had what seemed to be unlimited potential. Uh, power, speed. Uh, he could even hit for average. He was he was an all-around fantastic ball player. Yeah, Gary won the batting title, the National League batting title in 92. He hit 330 that mm -hmm. year. It's pretty impressive. Impressive. Uh, 1994 was an okay year, not great. 
hit 276, a 380 on base, a 584 slugging, not bad. Had 27 uh, home runs, 78 ribbies. Uh, let's just see here. In 1994, his war was a 2.1, which is not bad. He has got, now I, I, he's got high tops on here. I can't see his stirrups, so it's just going to be a minus 0.1. So that'll just give me a straight two-point war there for Gary. Okay. I remember when he got traded or came over to the Braves, a couple of guys would sit up in the very top of the right field upper deck, and they would wear chef's hat chef's hats you know those tall chef's hats and aprons and they it spelled out chef's chefs i don't know if they did that elsewhere but i remember that in atlanta that's funny boy sheffield was drafted in the first round by the brewers he was at one point traded for trevor hoffman he was uh, at one point traded with bobby bonilla and charles johnson for mike piazza and todd zeal he was also wow, traded that's a huge trade yeah he was also traded uh, for brian jordan and odalis perez and uh, then he was traded uh, by the Yankees to the Tigers for literally nobody I've ever heard of. But uh, he was involved <laughs> in some, uh, some big trades and uh, won a World Series in 97 with the Fish as well. Next, we've got uh, catcher here for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's involved in a play at home right here. It's Tom Lampkin. <laughs> Tom Lampkin, I actually uh, had a... Interesting, he's an interesting guy. He was on a rehab assignment, I think, with Las Vegas when they came through Tacoma. And he had his paycheck in his locker. And uh, I was kind of cleaning things up, and I found his paycheck. You stole it? I put it in a safer No, I put it in a safer place. But I remember <laughs> it was for like $17,000. And I'm thinking, you know, he probably won't even miss it if I walk out with this thing. You know, but uh, <laughs> he was a good guy, though. He gave me 20 bucks to get him a hot dog, okay? Wow. Well, he did not <laughs> yeah. appear in the majors in 1994. He was with Phoenix in the, in the PCL. So okay. you probably would have. Yeah, you probably would have seen him come through the phoenix firebirds at that point they had the they yeah. had some cool hats i loved that logo it was a baseball but it had flames coming up the top like wings of a phoenix just a good looking hat good looking yeah, logo i remember that i remember that now uh so he was with the uh giants giants organization yep. yeah. okay yeah. i was a little mixed up but yeah i got you uh it didn't play in as i said in the big leagues that year so i, I i'm gonna get nothing nothing next Zip. I know. I remember this guy. I remember he was, thought he was going to turn into a really good player. This is a special card. It, it's uh, highlighting his major league debut from 1993. It's Ricky Gutierrez. Oh, I remember Ricky Gutierrez. Sure. Uh, now, who did he play for? Oh, he came up with the Padres. That's who he's with here. Okay. But he okay. also played with the Astros, which you might know him for. And then he was with Cleveland and the yep. Cubs. Um, now, okay. it's, when I type in Ricky, he spells his name R-I-C-K-Y, which is the incorrect way. Uh, I automatically right. type in Ricky Henderson, R-I-C-K-E-Y. And by the way, yeah, anybody, tweets, anybody tweets at us or, or hits us up and you spell Ricky's name wrong, I'm going to fine you right there. It'll uh, be it, a lawsuit. It happened recently, and uh, there, was, there was some stuff going on. Uh, let's see. 2004, uh, Gutierrez, it was his, uh, 2004, how about 1994? Gutierrez is the second year in the big leagues. Not a good year. <laughs> uh, he slugged 305, and uh, his uh, his war was a minus 1.8. Oh, so yeah, that's a little rough. I started with a 2.0, and then I'm going to minus a 1.8, so that's not, not good for me. All right, next, we have got a very baby-faced outfielder first baseman for the Braves. It's Ryan Klusko. 
I remember when Klesko came up, he was a uh, left-handed, got a little power, right? Yep. Let's see. Uh, Ryan Klesko came up in 92. So 94, he would have been about hitting his stride. His first uh, yeah, 92 games, the most he'd played at that point. 278, 17 home runs, 47 ribs, 907 OPS, 130 OPS plus. So not too bad. And a 1.2 war. So I will take that. Hmm. Get me back just about where I was before Ricky Gutierrez. I'm at 1.4. Nothing on that card that's going to help me. Next, we've got a guy that, oh, this guy had good power. He debuted in 93 with the Montreal Expos, Cliff Floyd. Oh, man, Cliff Floyd, yeah. Good outfielder. Uh, played, he had a lot of range, I remember. And uh, right-handed hitter. Had a little pop, uh, I think. Am I, am I close? Well, he was a left-handed hitter, and he had a lot of pop. <laughs> so I'm not. Okay, well, he, gotcha. played, he played in the outfield. Yeah, he hit uh, 233 home runs in his career, double digits in, boy, at least half of those. A career high of 31 in 2000, or no, 34 in 2005 with the Mets. Uh, yeah, he had some, some good years in uh, 1994. It was only his second year in the big leagues, getting some good players early in their, in their careers. He was fifth in the rookie of the year voting. A 281 batting average, but only a 398 slugging average. And that equates to a 0.2 war. So yeah, he stayed on the positive. Yeah, but uh, I got a long ways to go here. Uh, next, boy, I'm getting a lot of these debut cards, which doesn't seem to be working out too well for me. I <laughs> vaguely remember this guy for the Bucks, uh, outfielder Andy Tomberlin. Yeah, I think I remember him from buying baseball cards, but that's all I know. Uh, let's see, Andy Tomberlin was in the big leagues, not for too long, six years, uh, n- only spent two years with the same team, the Mets in 96-97. Apparently he was on the A's in 1995. Uh, in 1994, hmm. he was on the Red Sox, and uh, I'm afraid to look at his war. Oh, he, he came out at a zero-point war, a 194 right. batting average. I don't know how you <laughs> come out with that. So he'll uh, he'll pretty much leave me there it looks like he's a coach now because there's a recent picture of him here in a Mets uniform so I'm guessing he's coaching all right so I'm stuck at 1.6 still next we have got Fruit Loops Fruit Loops yep does that tell you who this is no Mickey Tettleton Fruit Loops (laughs) Mickey Tettleton there there's a guy with a really good eye right there yeah whoa wow look at this 1990, 106 walks. 91, 102. Uh-huh. 92, led the league, 122 walks. 93, 109. 94, 97. Then 107, 95. 949 career walks in 14 yeah, years. He, best eye I've ever seen. It's just the guy, he's just always on base. A 419 on base average in 1994. That is elite. And, yeah. And he, I believe he was a switch hitter, wasn't he? Yeah. He was. Let's see. Does this tell me where he bats? Uh, Does not tell me. I can't find it here without doing some. I'm sure I could find it where he would bat because I don't believe he he batted leadoff uh, because he did have good power. Wow. He when he was walking all that, he was still hitting 30 home runs a year. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was something. So 1994, he was an all star. I mentioned a 419 on base. He yeah. uh, only had 17 home runs, kind of a down year for him power-wise and 51 RBIs. Let's see, 1994, he accumulated a 1.5 war. 
but he does have uh, sweatbands with his jersey number on it. So that'll get me a 1.6. Nice. So that'll bring me up to 3.2. I still have a long ways to go and not a lot of... Uh, Smokey and the Bandit would drive to a, a long ways to go and a short time to get there. That's right. Okay, next, uh, got a lot of Pittsburgh Pirates here that I haven't heard of. Carlos Garcia. Mm, no clue. Yeah, this one does not ring a bell for me. Looks like he played the entire decade of the 90s, mainly for Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, 1994, well, he was an all-star one time in his entire career. It was 1994. Um, whether that no, was, uh, hey, we need somebody from the Pirates or whether he earned it. Uh, he finished the year with six home runs, 28 RBIs, a uh, 3.09 on-base percentage. Not that great. Uh, but he did have a .8 war, and uh, that's going to be all he's going to get me. So that'll bring me up to 4.0 even. Another Major League debut. You need all man. Yeah, I do. Boy, I got a lot of Major League debuts here. J.R. Phillips with the uh, San Francisco Giants. Yeah, I remember J.R. Phillips. Uh, I remember thinking, you know, this could be the guy. This, you know, he could be a star, and then it just kind of didn't pan out. Yeah, I don't think. I, and then J.T. Snow. Now, J.T. Snow came up with the Angels, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and then he got traded to the Giants. But, yeah, I remember J.R. Phillips was supposed to be that guy. that He came in right after Will, Will Clark left to go to yeah. Texas or Baltimore, wherever he went. And this was going to be the, the next first baseman. Never really right. panned out. And uh, 94 especially did not pan out. He only appeared in 15 games, but he hit 132, uh, an on-base of 150. So not excited Is that for this. good? This, that's not good. It's uh, In fact, no. it's so not good that it is a minus 0.1 war. I cannot see his stirrups. So, Oh, but he's got flip-down sunglasses. So that A is awesome, but we'll also even that out so I don't actually lose anything. Next, uh, I've got two cards left. Another Major League debut. They are working out great for me. A catcher for the Padres, who I am not remembering this guy, Kevin Higgins. No, I don't know. Let's see. Kevin, don't remember. Well, Kevin Higgins played one year in the big leagues. That was in 1993. Never made it back. <laughs> so I got nothing there. I got no points because he just didn't even play. Great. Thanks, Kevin. Bummer. Uh, he's the cousin of Antoine Williamson, though, who uh, played huh. for one year in 1997 with the Brewers. So, I mean. So big baseball family. Hey, two major leaguers. Yeah. That's right. All right. I'll take it. All right. My final card. And uh, this guy's got a lot of heavy lifting to do. I am currently at 4.0 and you had a 12.3. Yeah. So you need a big card here. Yeah. This guy was a, was a decent player for a bit of time, but I don't think Dave Hollins is going to be able to, to put me over the hump. Switch hitting third baseman. Uh, Let's see. Dave Hollins here with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was a switch hitter. He was a third baseman. Uh, 1993, he was an all-star. I think he was hurt most of 94. Only appeared in 44 games. 222 average, 328 on base, and a 353 slugging, which will lead him to a minus 0.7 war. <laughs> so Ouch. I'm not Ouch. even going to do the math on that one. I'm going to go ahead and give you the win. That'll bump your win total up to nine, and you've, you've opened the gap a bit. So congratulations yeah. on that one. Thanks. I was starting to lose confidence. Yeah. Well, that uh, that was not a good one for me. A lot of major league debut cards that didn't work out. Yeah. 
All right, well, that will uh, wrap up Wax Packs Heroes for this week. It will also wrap up our Ricky Henderson birthday week episode. Uh, Mark, I am, uh, I, I think, well, we hate to break this to our listeners, but I think we might actually take a week off here between Ricky Henderson's birthday and New Year's Day. It's just, we've, we've done 97 of these things in a row, and uh, I know it, uh, it's going to pain everybody, but I think we're going to take one week off just to kind of gather ourselves and work on our 100 show celebration that is coming up. But while we do that... We will still be around. We'll still be on the internet. We'll still be on social media. You can find us uh, at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O, Strike Noise, on both Twitter and the Instagram. You can also find us uh, on uh, another part of the internet through the electronic mail. Mark, do you want to tell them how to do that? You know, I heard that's actually shortened to e-mail now. Isn't oh, that interesting? okay. I'll make a note of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can write to us at uh, Two Strike Noise. Make sure you spell it out, T-W-O strike noise at gmail.com that's gonna we're gonna have we're gonna take a little week off it'll just be one week we've got almost a hundred shows if you haven't listened to them all you can go back and listen they're evergreen this is a history show so this is a great time to go back and listen to any shows you may have missed maybe the one on ed del hante Mark's going to go back That's and review one. that one. We've got go back, we'll go back and look at uh, old Haas Radburn. Old Haas Radburn. We've done the Cleveland Spiders. All of these you can go back and, and listen to if you're really hunkering for some two strike noise uh, between now and the new year. But until then, we do want to really say thank you to everybody that listens each week. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we hope everybody has a great holiday, a safe holiday that everybody stays healthy. And uh, hopefully we will see you in the start of the 2021 year and season. And uh, wow, just uh, have a great uh, week, week and a half until we talk to you again. So until then, we will see you on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great new year.